Welcome to the Movie Planet Podcast's Movie Playground Retrospective Episodes of Toy Story, Toy Story 2, and Toy Story 3. With Joe. Where is your honor, dirtbag? You are an absolute disgrace. There seems to be no sign of intelligent life anywhere. And Joel. Okay, save your battery. You're mocking me, aren't you? I have been chosen. Farewell, my friend. I go on to a better place. Welcome to the Movie Playground Review Show, the place where we watch movies that at least one of us feels you must see before you die and let you know whether they're awful or so great they deserve a place in the Pantheon, the head of the class, the Hall of Fame of movies of its genre. Sometimes we'll do standalones, sometimes we'll do trilogies, and sometimes we'll do entire franchises, but let's start with my introductions. I'm your host, Joe, and with me is the Buzz Lightyear to my Woody, oh, Joel. Honored. You, you buzz? Love Buzz. I was wondering which one you would be happier oh, with. Buzz. Okay. I, I love I love Tom Hanks. This is my mm-hmm. least favorite Tom Hanks character. Is it really? It is. I'm not a Woody guy. Well, wait to hear about how what Woody used to be. Love Buzz. Yeah. Um, in fact, I'm mad at myself because Tim Allen... I mean, I still have time. Tim Allen is coming to the Ryman. Is it when? Yeah. Um, June? We should get tickets. Yeah. Well, like uh, one of our coworkers, mm-hmm. uh, Allison, she was like, oh, I'm getting him for... Uh, my boyfriend. Okay. I hope he doesn't listen to the podcast. Oh, sh- shit. <laughs> Edit that out. That's um, out. <laughs> shit. Um, but no, and so like she, I told her, I was like, remind me, remind me, remind me. Yeah. But I just bought Foo Fighters tickets. Oh. And I was like, I can't imagine Tim Allen tickets, though, are going for like supermarket well, prices. The, the Ryman, everywhere is a good seat. Yeah. So it really doesn't matter where you and it's a comedy show. You're it's, hearing it. Yeah. I would love to see Tim Allen before I died. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, I'm doing well. uh, Yeah, this is exciting. This week I nominated Toy Story for the franchise genre. We will discuss each of the Toy Story movies in the coming weeks, starting with today's show on Toy Story, the original, and decide whether this movie belongs in the pantheon of franchise movies. Uh, Now, I say franchise because it is not a trilogy anymore. There is, they are making a fourth, a fourth one, so it's going to the franchise pantheon. I say it has to be in the trilogy pantheon until the fourth comes out. Uh, okay, then. All right. Because what happens if someone dies and they're like, we're not, we're not doing this movie? Well, here's the sticky part, is that if we grade as a tri- trilogy, then we have to abide by the trilogy rules of grading it, which is that the ending has to conclude. And I think the ending of Toy Story 3 does conclude. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing with 4. Yeah, I have no idea. So... We can do that, and then it may ding the franchise, because if they try to continue it from there, it's going to be like, oh, what are they doing? This is not making any sense. So do you want to do trilogy, or do you want to do franchise? Uh, <laughs> well, we can't do franchise until there's a fourth. Okay, so trilogy it is. It's a, fr- it's a trilogy for now. All right. Uh, well, I was going to say the, panthi- the pantheon for the franchises. Well, let's talk about it. Is uh, Currently, there's five in the franchise pantheon. So regardless of what we grade today, it's going in. But it's not going in that one. It's going in the trilogy one. And there's none in that one right now. The Toy Story will be all by itself in the franchise pantheon. Yeah. Uh, in the franchise, or in, I'm sorry, in the trilogy pantheon. In the franchise pantheon, we've got five franchises that we've done so far, which I'm kind of surprised if we've only done five, but it feels like we've done more. Five franchises? Yeah. I'm amazed. Well, that's a lot of movies. Uh, that's the, 20 movies. You have been least. with us for three of these franchises. Yeah. You were with us for the number one, which is the Tolkien saga. Yep. The Star Wars saga was number two. It was a long ride. The Alien franchise was number three. All of them were new to me. The Jurassic Park franchise was number four. I was not here for that. And the Die Hard franchise is number five on yes. the list. Uh, and that is in the order by which we graded them out. Now, it should be noted that these movies uh, are candidates 
for the... <laughs> it's not the animated film. I didn't edit that one out, did I? This yeah. is... Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is the animated film genre. Yeah. Yeah. Where the only movie in that pantheon is the Fantastic Mr. Fox. A well-deserved first place right now. We'll see how these individual movies measure up to Wes Anderson's animated masterpiece. Good luck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this movie will get higher than Fantastic Fox. <laughs> now, the higher we grade it, uh, the longer it may be staying in there. Only a film with a higher grade can knock it out on its ass from the Pantheon. Uh, this is a spoiler-rich podcast, so if you've not seen this movie, what's wrong with you? Yeah, if you, if you haven't seen this movie, you probably don't have a phone, which means you probably don't have podcasts, which you're not hearing this right now. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, watch the movie, turn us back on, enjoy our discussion and analysis. Download us on iTunes and Stitcher, and like us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also find us on Twitter at Movie Playground. Email us with any questions or suggestions you may have for us at themovieplayground at gmail.com. But now that we've handled that business, let's get to our movie of the week. Joker, give us a trailer. And here we Go. Sergeant? Yes, sir. Establish your recon post downstairs. Code red, repeat. We are at code red. Recon plan, Charlie. Execute. Move, 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 move. It's a... It's a big one. Walt Disney Pictures presents a totally new animated motion picture event. Star Command, come in. Do you read me? The story of two toys. Oh, there seems to be no sign of intelligent life anywhere. Hello? Oh, yeah! Ah! Headed for a showdown. My name is Woody. This is my spot. I am Buzz Lightyear. I come in peace. You are a child's plaything. You are a sad, strange little man. And playing by their own rules. Draw. Fuck me again. I don't like confrontations. Buzz, look an alien. Where? (laughs) You're mocking me, aren't you? wingspan. Very good. <laughs> oh, what? What? You can't fly. Yes, I can. Can't. Can. Can't. 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 This holiday season, the adventure takes off when toys come to life. To infinity and beyond. Toy Story. Look out! Can. That's the trailer right there. All right. This week we are talking about 1995's Toy Story, a movie made for $30 million that raked in $373.6 million, directed by John Lasseter, written by John Lasseter, Pete Doctor, Andrew Stanton, Joe Ranf, yes, that Joss Whedon, Joel Cohen, no, not that Cohen, oh. and Alex Sokolow, uh, starring Tom Hanks as Woody, Tim Allen as Buzz Lightyear, Don Rickles as Mr. Potato Head, Jim Varney as Slinky Dog, Wallace Shawn as Rex, John Ratzenberger as Ham, and Annie Potts as a very, very sultry Bo Peep when you look at it as an adult. Yep. He's all about the sex. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> now, according to our good people at Rotten Tomatoes, it has a tomato mating reading of 100%. Really? Uh-huh. Millennials. The critics, on average, gave this film a 9 out of 10. The audience wow. score, which is the average rating of the audience gave this film, is a 3.7 out of 5, with 92% agreeing it's a 3 or higher. So the critics actually gave it a higher score than the audience. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we're going to jump into a segment, Inception to Perception. And this, I, at first, I was like, this is really long. And I was like, oh, my God, you kind of need it to be to build up to what this franchise is. And when you find out what Woody started off as, what a different movie this could have been. Really? Uh, director John Lasseter's first experience with computer animation was during his work as an animator at, animator at Walt Disney Feature Animation. 
when two of his friends showed him the light cycle scene from Tron. That's like 84. Yeah. <laughs> it awakened Lassiter to the possibilities offered by the new medium of computer-generated animation, something that had not been done in a full-feature film yet. Uh, Lassiter tried to pitch The Brave Little Toaster as a fully computer-animated film to Disney, but the idea was rejected, and Lassiter was fired. He then went on to work at Lucasfilm, and later as a founding member of Pixar, because Pixar was owned by Lucasfilm. Gosh, what a resume. (laughs) Which was then purchased by Apple Inc. co-founder Steve Jobs in 86. At Pixar, Lassiter created short computer-animated films to show off the Pixar image. Computers kept... Pixar image computer capabilities and a movie called Tin Toy in 1988. A short story told from the perspective of a toy referencing Lester's love of classic toys. And it would go on to claim the 1988 Academy Award for Best Animated Short Film. This guy just kept hitting all the right buttons early on. I would say so. Um, Tin Toy gained Disney's attention and they were like, hey, Lasseter, we're sorry. Come back, come back. (laughs) And the new team at the Walt Disney Company, uh, CEO Michael Eisner and Chairman Jeffrey Katzenberg in the film division, began a quest to get Lasseter to come back. Lasseter, grateful for Jobs' faith in him, felt compelled to stay with Pixar, telling co-founder Ed Catmull, I can go to Disney and be a director, or I can stay here and make history. And <laughs> shit. He did it. <laughs> Calling your shot. Hey, Netflix, good job. <laughs> yeah, Disney bad guys. <laughs> Zombie uh, bad guy. Katzenberg realized he could not lure Lasseter back to Disney and therefore set plans into motion to ink a production deal with Pixar to produce a film. Disney had always made all their movies in-house and refused to change this. But when Tim Burton, who used to work at Disney, wanted to buy back the rights to The Nightmare Before Christmas, Disney struck a deal allowing him to make it a Disney movie outside the studio, which opened the door to Pixar to make their own movies outside of Disney. Oh. Tim Burton and that claymation piece is what got him there. Never seen it. You n- never? No. It never appealed to me. Like, it still doesn't. I'll be honest with you. It doesn't appeal to me either. Like, it's, I only want to see it because I feel like I should. Mm-hmm. It's like the Goonies. I only watched the Goonies because I was traveling to the site where it was shot. Yeah. Because I felt like I needed to. Now I watched the Goonies and I loved it, and I'm glad that I did see it. I'll probably watch it again. If I see it in the bargain bin, I'll probably buy it. And when you have children someday, you'll, you won't even call it a trip. You'll say, I took a pilgrimage. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I prayed real hard over it. <laughs> uh, both sides are willing to do this deal. Cat Mull and fellow Pixar co-founder Alvy Ray Smith had long wanted to produce a computer animated feature. In addition, Disney had licensed Pixar's computer, an- computer animated production system, CAPS. Uh, which is still used today, actually. Uh, And that made it the largest customer for Pixar's computers. Jobs made it apparent to Katzenberg that although Disney was happy with Pixar, it was not the other way around. Said, we want to do a film with you, said Jobs. That would make us happy if we did it with you, not for you. Wow. Uh, At the same time, Peter Schneider, president of Walt Disney Feature Animation, was potentially interested in making a feature film with Pixar. Uh, when Catmull, Smith, and the head of animation, Ralph Guggenheim, met with Schneider in the summer of 1990, they found the atmosphere to be puzzling and contentious. They later learned that Katzenberg intended that if Disney were to make a film with Pixar, it would be outside Schneider's purview, which aggravated Schneider. After the first, So they're all doing a power struggle now. They're all pissed at each other because they all want a piece of this, but they don't know what it is. 
<laughs> that doesn't sound like big money, people. After the first meeting, the Pixar contingent went home with low expectations and were surprised when Katzenberg called for another conference. Kat Molesmith and Guggenheim were joined by Bill Reeves, the head of animation research and development, Steve Jobs, and John Lasseter. They brought with them an idea for a half-hour television special called A Tin Toy Christmas. They reasoned that a television program would be a sensible way to gain experience before tackling a feature film. I can see a company saying that. That's fair. You've never done anything before. Do a TV show for a second. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they met with Katzenberg at a conference table in the Team Disney building in Burbank. Catmull Smith considered it would be difficult to keep Katzenberg interested in working with the company over time. They considered it even more difficult to sell Lasseter and the junior animators on the idea of working with Disney, who had a bad reputation for how they treated their animators. And Katzenberg, who had built a reputation as a micromanaging tyrant... Katzenberg asserted himself in the meeting saying, everybody thinks I'm a tyrant. I am a tyrant, but I'm usually right. Man, <laughs> he went on to make Weinstein. <laughs> <laughs> he threw off the idea of a half-hour special and eyed Lassiter as the key talent in the room. John, since you won't come work for me, I'm going to make it work this way. <laughs> Way to get around it. <laughs> he invited the six visitors to mingle with the animators, asked them anything at all, and the men did so, finding they all backed up Katzenberg's statements. Lasseter felt he would be able to work with Disney, and the two companies began negotiations. Pixar, at this time, was on the verge of bankruptcy and needed a deal with Disney more than Disney needed them. Katzenberg insisted that Disney be given the rights to Pixar's proprietary technology for making 3D animation, and Steve Jobs said, no, no, that's ours. (laughs) (laughs) In another case, Steve Jobs demanded Pixar would have part ownership of the film and its characters sharing control of both video rights and sequels, and Katzenberg refused, saying, "Uh, that's not how we do things at Disney. We own everything. (laughs) Disney and Pixar reached an accord on contract terms and an agreement dated May 3rd, 1991, and signed it in early July. Eventually, the deal specified that Disney would own the picture and its characters outright, have creative control, and pay Pixar about 12.5% of the ticket revenues. It had the option, but not the obligation, to do Pixar's next two films and the right to make, with or without Pixar, sequels using the characters in the film. Disney could also kill the film at any time with only a small penalty. These early negotiations would become a point of contention between Steve Jobs and Michael Eisner for many, many years. And finally, an agreement to produce a feature film built based on Tin Toy with a working title of Toy Story, was finalized, and production soon began. That's a lot of information. I th- Here's the thing. When you're talking about toys, if you did any other Pixar movie, you don't have all that. This is the beginning of Pixar. Yeah. And it all starts with this tin toy thing. If he didn't, see the tin, if he didn't make the tin toy thing and win an award for it, none of this happens. No, you're right. No, that's, that was all good to receive. It's it, just, whew. It's a lot. Yeah. Uh, Now, the writing, the original treatment for Toy Story had little in common with the eventually finished film. It paired Tinny, the one-man band from Tin Toy, with a ventriloquist dummy and sent them on a sprawling odyssey. Under studio head Jeffrey Katzenberg, Woody was the main villain, abusing the other toys until they rallied against him. However, after Disney executives saw the storyboards, they relinquished creative control to Pixar. The core idea of Toy Story was present from the treatment onward, however, that, quote, toys deeply want children to play with them and that this desire drives their hopes, fears, and actions. Katzenberg felt the original treatment was problematic and told Lasseter to reshape Toy Story as more of an odd couple buddy picture in which two characters with different attitudes are thrown together and have a bond. The Lasseter, Stanton, Doctor emerged in early September 
And with the second treatment, although the lead characters were still tinny and the dummy, the outline of the final film was beginning to take shape. So he could have been a villain. Uh, I don't think you get three films no. that direction. But it does make sense when you look at the sequels and what they did with the villains in those. They were toys. Yeah. So they kind of were like, hey, we can't do it with Woody. Let's do it with uh, Prospector. Dude, I, I love Toy Story 2. Do you? Yeah. See, and 3 is my favorite. Yeah, 3 is my brother's favorite, I think. Yeah. He cried. Uh, let's see. They changed Tinny's name. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Lasser decided Tinny was too antiquated, and the character was changed to a military action figure and then given a space theme. Tinny themed changed to Lunar Larry, then Tempest from Morph, and eventually Buzz. Buzz. Woody, yeah, cool. Woody, the second character, was inspired by Casper the Friendly Ghost Doll. You're mocking me, aren't you? <laughs> Originally, Woody was a ventriloquist dummy with a pull string. I'm hence the name so Woody. glad they did not go ventriloquist. However, character designer Bud Lackey suggested that Woody could be changed to a cowboy ventriloquist dummy. Reach for the sky. There's a snake in my boot. <laughs> Eventually, all the ventriloquist dummy aspects of the character were deleted. Um, I, hate, I hate those dummies. And I'm going to skip a little bit forward here to the casting because there's a reason why it was deleted. Lasseter always wanted Tom Hanks to play the character of Woody. Billy Crystal was approached to play Buzz and turned the role down, which he later regretted and subsequently accepted the role of Mike Wazowski in another Pixar success, Monsters, Inc. <laughs> he's, he's perfect for Wazowski. Though. He really is. I can't see him playing Buzz. No. Tim, Tim Allen is perfect. Yeah. Uh, in addition, Crystal, uh, Bill Murray, Chevy Chase, and Jim Carrey were also considered for Buzz. Maybe Chevy? Say those again for the people at home. Billy Crystal, Bill Murray, Chevy Chase, and Jim Carrey. Chevy, Chevy Chase is the only one I can picture. Yeah, maybe Chevy. I can't see Bill Murray. No. And Jim Carrey was still doing In Living Color at the time. He wasn't big enough. I could see, uh, I could see Jim Carrey doing like Buzz, or not Buzz, um, Rex or a Mr. <laughs> Potato Head or the, or the shark. Hi, I'm Woody. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Give me my hat. Back. That made me laugh so many times as a kid. <laughs> howdy, howdy, howdy. It's still funny. Uh, this was Hanks's and Alan's first animated film role. They'd never done one before this. Uh, let's see. It, it, last year, it took the role to Tim Allen, who was appearing in Disney's Home Improvement. I didn't know it was a Disney production. But it was ABC, and ABC was owned by Disney. That's a huge... How did... <laughs> how did Home Improvement not end up on Netflix? I don't know. So that's what makes me mad, because I've for a long time I've said, somebody needs Home Improvement. I don't yeah. know if it's Netflix or Hulu. So that shame on Disney, mm -hmm. mad at them. I'll forgive them when they make their own streaming service, and I buy it just so I can watch Home Improvement. <laughs> But shame on them. Yes. Uh, let's see. I'm going to skip ahead of here. The Pixar team came back with a new script uh, with the character of Woody morphed from being a tyrannical boss of Andy's other toys to being their wise and caring leader. It also included a more adult-oriented staff meeting amongst the toys rather than a juvenile group discussion that had existed in earlier drafts. Buzz Lightyear's character was also changed slightly to make it more clear that the audience that he really doesn't realize he's a toy. <laughs> Katzenberg and Schneider approved the new approach, and by February 94, the film is back in production. It actually went through a production stop because they had so many people trying to change the script to make it something that they had never seen before. It became something that was totally impossible. Uh, 
the voice actors returned in March 1994 to record their new lines. When production was greenlit, the crew quickly grew from its original size of 24 to 110, including 27 animators, 22 technical directors, and 61 other, other artists and engineers. In comparison, The Lion King, released in 1994, required a budget of $45 million and a staff of 800. Now, if you watch this movie and you look at Lion King, Lion King is amazing, but I would have expected more people on Toy Story to make it look the way that it did. Yeah. But yeah, I, I guess agree. because it's all computer, it's, you only need one person, two people doing it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, speaking of music, Disney's concerned with Laster's position on the use of music. Uh, unlike other Disney films at the time, Laster did not want the film to be a musical, saying it was a buddy film featuring real toys. However, Disney favored the musical format, claiming musicals are our orientation. Characters breaking into song is a great shorthand. It takes some of the onus off of what they're asking for. Disney and Pixar reached a compromise. The characters in Toy Story would not break into song, but the film would use songs over the action. And uh, D- D- Disney and Lester tapped Randy Newman to compose the film. They edited Toy Story. The edited Toy Story was due to Newman and Gary Rydstrom in late 1995 for their final work on the score and sound design, respectively. And uh, Newman wrote three original songs for this movie, including "You've Got a Friend in Me." You wrote that in one day. In one day. Holy. How? He's a talented guy. He just sounds goofy. Yeah, no, I, I get that. <laughs> I, I still listen to a Toy Story soundtrack almost every day in class. You get tired of the same old thing, and I'm like, I don't get tired of listening to the Toy Story soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, do you remember the first time you saw this film? I don't. I remember having the VHS yeah. in the uh, like the hard-ish plastic case that could, like allegedly snapped until oh. you bent one of the corners. Right, 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 right. I had that. I remember seeing Toy Story 2 in theaters. Is that the one that was always too big for the shelf? Yeah. It was like a bubble almost. Yeah. yeah. Um, I remember watching it a lot, but I don't remember the first time. Okay. I saw it in theaters with a friend of mine, Jeff Cram, if he's listening. I thought it was awesome, and Jeff became obsessed. He collected everything in my, in my eyes, of course, at the time. Toy Story. He had Toy Story Pez. He had Toy Story Stuffed Animals. He had <laughs> everything in his room was Toy Story. It looked like Andy's friggin' room. Yeah. I, rem- <laughs> I remember the toys. Um the toys became all big again. Yeah. Mr. Potato had gone away, and now all of a sudden they were being sold on shelves. Man, I wanted a Buzz Lightyear so bad. My nephew has one. Yeah. He dressed it. In fact, he dressed as Buzz Lightyear for uh, Halloween. Yeah. Uh, but on to our synopsis. Let's get into the fun shit. A boy called Andy Davis. I didn't know his last name was Davis. Uses his toys to act out a bank robbery. The bank is a cardboard box. The robber is Mr. Potato Head, assisted by Slinky Dog. And the bystanders include Bo Peep and her sheep. The day is saved by cowboy doll Woody playing the sheriff with help from Rex the Dinosaur. Woody is the only toy who gets to say his own lines because he has a pull string that makes him say things like... Reach for the sky, and you're my favorite deputy. I just scrolled down. He caught me me with my pants down. (laughs) Uh... I love this scene because that's how kids think. They don't care if there's a dinosaur and a cowboy. Love it. (laughs) Loved it. And every opening scene from here on in these movies is a great view of a kid's imagination. Yes. Yes. Um, During the opening credits, you've got a friend in me. It pops on, and and you see Andy taking Woody downstairs to find his mother decorating the dining room for his birthday party. Uh, He's got flying him around the room with cowboy flying. He asks if they can fi- leave the decorations up until they move, and his mom agrees. She says the gr- guest will arrive soon and tends the- sends them back upstairs to get his baby sister, Molly, whose crib is in his room. Andy tosses Woody onto his bed before he pulls Molly out of her crib and carries her away. 
I'll be honest with you, after seeing all these movies, I do not like the way Andy looks. No. He doesn't. Yeah, I think that's also like becoming a teacher and like I think maybe associating with certain children. Oh, I'm talking about like the way his face is structured with the computer animation oh. and everything. Oh, yeah. It, like when you see him in Toy Story 3, it looks much more human. This looks much more cartoonish. And he looks like they took Sid's head and just like changed certain things about Sid to make Andy. It's amazing how the animation in this first movie. I remember, I mean, you're going back and like Toy Story, such great animation. And now I'm watching it again. There were certain scenes I was like, this reminds me of that dancing baby that got sent around in email <laughs> chains. Chaka. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it reminded me of. Um, also, if you get way down, do you want to like bounce back and forth? I mean, I mean we can. You don't have to. I mean, unless you're, if you're good reading, I just don't want to. I'm good reading right now. Okay. Yeah. But um, if, my, if you hear my voice start to get hoarse, just jump on in. <laughs> uh, as soon as Andy leaves the room, the toys come to life. Ta-da! And Woody sits up and expresses surprise that the birthday party is, birthday party is today. Woody calls a staff meeting and tells Slinky Dog to spread the word. Within a few minutes, during which Bo Peep makes a date with Woody for that evening. That's not a date, my friend. Because <laughs> the way he reacts... <laughs> he was shaking in his boots. <laughs> and all the toys are assembled. Woody starts by reminding them all to find a moving buddy so they don't get lost when the Davis family moves to their new house, which will happen in a week. Then he tries to downplay the news that Andy's birthday party is actually happening today, but it causes a commotion as the toys know that Andy's actual birthday isn't until till next week. Rex worries that someone will give Andy another dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> and many of the toys have similar concerns. Except for Potato Head, he's just kind of like, I don't care. <laughs> Woody points out that it makes sense to have the party before the move. Then he tries to calm them all down. He's interrupted when Ham, the piggy bank, stationed, <laughs> stationed near the window, announces that the, kids are, the guests are arriving. The toys rush to the window to see the presents the kids are bringing. The bigger boxes make them especially nervous. One of my favorite voices of all time, John, John Ratzenberger. Ratzenberger. <laughs> I love John Ratzenberger. Is he in every Pixar movie? Yeah, he yes. is. Uh-huh. Does he have stock in Pixar? <laughs> he might. Because, um, yeah, he's in all of them. Because he's the uh, school of fish in Finding Nemo. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mr. Ray. Yeah. No, not Mr. Ray. He's the school of fish. Oh, oh, that's right. He's the giant talking. This guy bothering you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, we just. Uh... <laughs> um, I just turned into Ray Romano. Um no, yeah, Debra, Debra. Uh, my favorite line in this whole thing, though, is when he's like, "And our seminar on plastic corrosion was a big success." <laughs> <laughs> Watching this, I realize how many. I mean, there there were a lot of very good things for adults in this film. Oh yeah, not as good, not maybe as many as Emperor's New Groove, which I recently watched because you got David Putty and David Spade. Yes, um, Patrick Warburton, that is. But it's I love watching movies like this as an adult because you catch everything that you missed as a kid. Pixar did something that the Muppets had not done in a long time, which is they appealed to both adults and kids. Yeah. And, you know, Disney movies, for the most part, appealed to kids until that point. Toy Story was the first one where I was like, oh, my God, adults can get into this. And a lot of adults did. $373 million in 1995, adults went to this. Yeah. Um, so Woody sends out the troops, little green plastic soldiers led by Sarge, lowering the baby monitor to the first floor and hiding it in a potted plant. They observe the opening of the gifts and report back to the toys in Andy's room. At first, the presents seem non-threatening. A lunchbox, bed sheets. Who invited that kid? 
battleship game. But Andy's mom pulls a surprise present from the closet. Andy's very excited about it, but before they hear what it is, Rex knocks the speaker off the table and the batteries fall out. This is my first memory of anxiety. (laughs) What is it? I swear, like, (laughs) reading through it now, this was my first memory of, like, Oh gosh! Like, <laughs> what is it? But it makes because if you think about it, if something like that got knocked over, it always had that plastic piece that just <laughs> fell out. Um, this was such a smart movie in the way, way it portrayed to go, everything. Rex. Um, the toys barely have time to resume their previous positions before the stampede thunders in. One of the kids sweeps Woody off the bed. They put something down where Woody was. Then Andy's mom calls them back down to play games, and suddenly the room is empty again. The toys creep out of their hiding places to see the new toy, pausing in surprise when Woody crawls out from under the bed. The new toy has taken Woody's place on the bed, which causes consternation. Woody reminds them, no one is being replaced. And they look up to see what's on the bed. It's Buzz Lightyear, Space Ranger, (laughs) Universe Protection Unit. (laughs) Buzz believes he's crashed landed on a strange planet on the way to Sector 12. Hello. Who goes there? <laughs> I just love how Tim Allen plays this because in his voice, you can tell he's really trying to sell the fact that he doesn't think it's fake. He's a space ranger. <laughs> I've landed on a strange planet. Ground seems a little <laughs> unstable. <laughs> and his ship is damaged. Woody welcomes Buzz to Andy's room and tries to explain that Buzz has landed in Woody's usual spot. The other toys climb up on the bed to meet Buzz and ask him about the buttons and gadgets on his spacesuit. They're impressed with Buzz's voice recordings. Quote, a quality sound system. <laughs> right now, poised at the edge of the galaxy, Emperor Zerg has been secretly building a weapon with the destructive cap- capacity to annihilate an entire planet. I alone have the information that reveals the weapon's only weakness, and you, my friend, are responsible for delaying my rendezvous with Star Command. He's I w- so serious. I really wonder how much of this uh, Timmy Allen was allowed to improv. That's a good question. Yeah. Uh, Buzz also has a laser. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Not like Woody's pull-string activated voice, which sounds like a car ran over it. <laughs> Buzz also has a laser and wings. Buzz takes exception to being called a toy, and when Woody says he can't really fly, Buzz climbs the bedpost, shouts, to infinity and beyond, and dives. And probably, probably the most quoted Pixar line in history is... Yeah. Born. Yeah. Uh, He bounces off a rubber ball, does a loop-to-loop on the racetrack, gets stuck for a few rotations on the toy plane, tethered to the ceiling before flipping down and landing neatly back on the bed. All the toys are dazzled except for Woody, who says... Dang it, I was looking looking (laughs) at the sound again. (laughs) That wasn't flying. That was falling with style. (laughs) And this is my my favorite montage of the whole movie. Things are happening to me. In the montage that follows, uh, Andy has Buzz shoot Woody, then puts on a cardboard replica of Buzz's helmet and wings. A Western-themed poster in Andy's room is replaced by two Buzz Lightyear posters, and the drawings of Woody on the bulletin board are covered with drawings of Buzz. The Western-style bedspread disappears. The new one is emblazoned with Buzz's image and his name. In the final indignity, Andy takes Buzz to bed and leaves Woody in the covered wagon toy chest. I hate this scene. Do you really? Oh, it rips my heart out every time. Like, I remember being a kid and being like, oh, everything's changing. I don't like change. I think one of the things, and this is something I might have in my uh, bottom three later. They made Buzz too likable at the beginning. Because from the beginning, the minute Buzz shows up, 
you already like him more than Woody because Woody already has this kind of, I want to say condescending nature about him. I don't know. Like when I was a kid, again, we saw it at different ages. Yeah. When I was a child, I was, I think I honestly, I was the same age as Andy. Mm-hmm. Um, because this is another one like Harry Potter. When they made Toy Story, I was in kindergarten or first grade when Andy was in kindergarten, first grade. Okay. Toy Story 3 came out when I was going to college. Perfect timing. Yeah. Like I went with his age. Right. And so I remember being a kid and being like, oh man, that was like, and I mean, you haven't really met anyone new in your life. Right. You, everyone you know has been everyone you've known forever. Mm-hmm. And so in my experience, like you're hearing people, you're seeing for the first time ever, somebody new come in right. and take attention away. And so that was my first experience with all of that. And okay. so I kind of felt all of Woody's emotions because Woody had never felt that either. Oh, okay. Well, that's a different, a different perspective I expected. Five, four year, five years old. So. <laughs> Look at you. So, so deep. You know. uh, some alarming noises draw the toys to the open window where they can see the neighbor kid, Sid, with his dog, Scud, who's about to blow up a combat Carl action figure. The toys explain to Buzz that he tortures toys. Buzz wants to help the doomed toy soldier, but Sid lights the fuse and Andy's toys duck as debris goes flying. When they look again, there's no sign of Carl. Oh, another combat Carl. (laughs) Um, You know the voice of Sid? No, who is it? uh, Eric Von Detten. Who's that? He was like a massive Disney Channel star. Oh, really? He was in Brink. Um... I think they're using a ton. These are all shows that were way past my age group, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Again, yeah. my age group. Um, Eric Von Detten was in... Brink was the, the main one. But okay. he was also in Princess Diaries. He's the boy from Princess Diaries. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, dang it. He was in Hercules. Uh, Recess. Who was he in Hercules? Oh, uh, good question. Well, they're going anyway. They're going to Pizza Planet next. He's Irwin. Irwin. Ir- Irwin Lawson. Oh, okay. I got Irwin. Oh, well. Hey, Andy's mom suggests dinner at Pizza Planet and tells Andy he can bring one toy. I used Pizza Planet in a store problem this week, and my fifth graders are like, "Toy Story." Really? I was like, "Really?" <laughs> this movie's over twenty years old. Uh, doubting that Andy will choose him unless Buzz is unavailable. Woody plans to trap Buzz in a gap behind Andy's desk. The plan backfires and Buzz falls out the window into the bushes below. The other toys accuse Woody of pushing Buzz out the window out of jealousy, but as they are about to punish him, Andy returns. Failing to find Buzz, he grabs Woody and the family drives off, but not before Buzz crawls out of his bush and climbs in the back of the minivan. I'm, this is where I got a little... This was a weird moment in this movie. It got yes. dark real fast. Yeah, it gets super dark. <laughs> and that's my like biggest qualm with this movie is like when I was a kid, like I did not like the main plot points of this movie. Okay. It was just too dark and too kind of serious and real for a child. It really went like and I hit, I know we mentioned that on a show before, but uh fatal attraction almost yeah, like murdery. I can't deal with you. I'm gonna get end you. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you, I didn't think he was trying to trap him behind the desk. I thought he was trying to push him out the window. Yeah, that did too. Yeah. Um, so anyway, while Andy's mother refuels the car at Dynaco, hey, cars uh, station, uh, oh, Woody, yeah. Yeah, Woody wonders how he can convince the other toys that Buzz's fall was an accident. Suddenly, Buzz appears. 
Woody is delighted, though more for his own sake than Buzz's. But Buzz is very bitter over what Woody You're did to him. Alive. You're alive. <laughs> <laughs> he pulls the like mosquito off of his uh, shield. Is this when he says, "You are a toy"? <laughs> uh, I can't remember. You're you're an action figure. <laughs> I don't think that's here, is it? Is it? I thought it was this scene where Maybe they're, it is. they're under the car, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the two fight and roll out of the car, which drives off and leaves them stranded. Luckily, Woody sees another vehicle headed for Pizza Planet and knows that they can meet Andy there. He tricks Buzz into coming with him, but only because if he came with home with, without Buzz, the other toys would attack him. Buzz insists on riding in the front seat because he's a pilot. <laughs> uh, Buzz insists on riding in the front seat so he can wear a seatbelt. Woody climbs in in the back and gets thrown about by the driver's erratic uh, maneuvers. They reach Pizza Planet and hide in discarded food packaging so they can sneak through the front door. Funny scene. That yes. Was an adult. Woody quickly spots the Davises, but Buzz climbs into a claw crane machine shaped like a spaceship, thinking it's the ship home Woody promised him. The claw. He has been chosen. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. The claw. <laughs> the claw knows all. <laughs> Uh, the, the machine's filled with three-eyed green aliens who believe the claws of God. <laughs> That's really funny. Woody climbs in to get Buzz up, but Woody and Buzz are captured by Sid along with one of the little aliens. I have been chosen. <laughs> uh, lo- this is a, another great moment. Sid uses the machine, grabs onto Woody, and it pulls a Buzz Lightyear too. And every kid who's used a claw machine is like, if I grab that one, maybe it'll give me a double. Yeah, and also every... <laughs> It, human being that's ever used a claw machine knows that that thing has a grip of like negative two pounds <laughs> to where like if there was any resistance at all that claw is coming right off it has the it has the muscle mass of a 98 year old geriatric i don't think i've ever won on a claw machine there was a game that had a, there was one game that had a little magnetic disc mm-hmm. and if you could drop it down on one of the like inside the slot with the case that was like holding things i've won things that way right but no Claw machine? Not happening. I remember watching that as a kid being like, that's stupid. I've lost on every <laughs> claw machine I've ever done. And I had a cleaner pickup than that. It's going to pick up both Woody and a Buzz? Yeah. Bullshit. That, that <laughs> scene alone takes this movie to a B plus. <laughs> Lying to children's faces. Sid takes them back to his house and immediately gives a three-eyed alien to Scud, who starts chewing on it. Then Sid takes a doll away from his little sister Hannah and runs upstairs to operate on her. <laughs> This kid's a psychopath. No one's ever done a double bypass on a <laughs> brain surgery before. Woody and Buzz, still in Sid's backpack, look in horror as Sid replaces the doll's head with the head of a toy pterodactyl and gleefully gives it back to Hannah, who shrieks for her mother and runs away. And you hear Sid go, don't believe anything she says. <laughs> <laughs> Something I'm sure Sid has said several times. Yeah. <laughs> Woody tries to get out of Sid's room, but the door is locked. He's frightened by Sid's nightmarish mutant toys. I was scared, too. These are messed up if you're, like, five years old watching this. Yeah. The one with, like, the spider legs and the yeah. head with the pins out well, of what it. What about the uh, the Barbie with, like, the shaved head, like, the skinhead Barbie? Yes. Yeah. 
Oh god, yeah, this is a this is a mess. There's an erector set spider with a one-eyed baby head. A jack <laughs> <laughs> A jack in the box whose jack has been replaced by a green rubber hand. A fishing pole with legs. It's terrifying. And other horrors. Buzz thinks they're cannibals. <laughs> Meanwhile, Andy's toys are searching for Buzz from Andy's window. They have to stop when the car pulls into the driveway. Andy can't find Woody, and many of the toys think he ran away, which they interpret as evidence of his guilt. But Bo Peep hopes he's okay. Yeah. Thank God for Bo Peep. Thank God. <laughs> She's not as attractive as I remember her. Uh, a little shiny. Yeah, a l- little bit. Animation. A little bit. Uh, next morning, Sid interrogates Woody about the location of a rebel base. <laughs> I didn't get that until this time when I watched it. I was like, oh, it's a Star Wars reference. <laughs> When Woody remains silent, Sid uses a magnifying glass to concentrate the sunlight on a spot between Woody's eyebrows, which starts to smoke. (laughs) Woody is saved when Sid is called away to eat his (laughs) (laughs) Pop-Tarts. Buzz compliments Woody for not succumbing to Sid's torture. Woody notices that Sid has left the door open, but before he and Buzz get out, the mutant toys block the way. Buzz tries to laser on them and is puzzled when it doesn't work. Woody pushes the button that activates Buzz's karate chop action and Frog marches him through the crowd of toys, which parts to let them through. Woody drops Buzz as soon as they reach the door and runs down the stairs saying, there's no place like home, there's no place like home. (laughs) And again, Woody's only thinking about himself though. Yeah, yeah. Um, On the landing, he finds Scud. This scared the hell out of me when I was of the age when I watched this because that dog looks mean as hell. He backs up and then Buzz grabs him and leads him down the hall past the head of the stairs. There is a scene in Ant-Man, actually, that's very similar to the Scud scene where Ant-Man, for the first time, is shrunk down and he runs through a wall and he's freaking out. He's like, I don't know what to do. And he looks over and there's a giant rat. Oh, gross. And it screams at him. And I was like, that's Scud. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... The ring on Woody's pull string catches on the wrought iron stair railing, and he says involuntarily, Yeehaw! Get me up, partner! We gotta get this wacky train of moving! <laughs> the dog wakes up and comes to investigate. Buzz says, Split up! and runs through an open door. Woody pulls on another door, closed, pulls another door closed behind him. Buzz sees someone asleep in a recliner and notices that the television is on. A voice is saying, Come in, Buzz Lightyear. This is Star Command. At first, Buzz thinks Star Command is really trying to reach him and fiddles with the radio on his suit. (laughs) (laughs) But as the commercial enumerates his features and adds a disclaimer that Buzz is not a flying toy, Buzz begins to believe that he really is, as Woody keeps telling him, only a child's plaything. He is despondent. Then he spots an open window in the stairwell and tries to prove himself wrong by flying through it. He bounces off the stairs and lands in the hall, losing an arm in the process to Randy Newman's I Will Go Sailing No More. Another like kind of tough scene to watch for a child. <laughs> yes. This is more adult than childish, I think, at this point. You have torture Honestly. scenes. You have tragedy, existential crises. What <laughs> <laughs> kids sitting there going, yeah, my toys do that all the time. Yeah, the kids are sitting there going, Sid, that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Hannah picks Buzz up and carries him off to her room where Woody finds him playing the part of Mrs. Nesbitt. That is Mrs. (laughs) Nesbitt. (laughs) And we get a drunk scene now from Buzz. That's really, it's a really funny scene. Woody imitates Hannah's mother's voice to lure Hannah out of the room so he can rescue Buzz. Buzz is raving and depressed, but when he wails that he can't even fly out the window, it gives Woody an idea. 
He oh, <laughs> is this where he kind of has his eyes going crazy? And he goes, yeah, <laughs> that's one of those <laughs> things. So. He opens the window and sits in the room and calls over to Andy's room where Ham is beating Mr. Potato Head at Battleship. Have you noticed the game that they're playing? No. Okay. Because uh, the conversation they have is, oh, you hit, me, you, you hit me again. I haven't hit you once, you know, and you look at it. The next scene, they're looking out the window, and then it pans back to the Battleship game, which is in the background of the scene, oh. <laughs> and it's all white pieces, <laughs> and just the pieces that are missing on it are the ship pieces. <laughs> like, he kept moving them. <laughs> oh, no. I was just looking up the... One minute you're defending the whole galaxy and suddenly you find yourself <laughs> sucking down Darjeeling with Marie Antoinette and her little sister. <laughs> that, I have, I would put money on that was an improvised scene. Definitely. 100%. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> most of the toys seem, to gl- seem glad to see him. He tosses a string of Christmas lights across and tells them to tie to something, but Mr. Potato Head tries to convince the other toys that they should leave Woody where he is. I hate Potato Head in this scene. <laughs> Woody tells them Buzz is with him, but Buzz won't come to the window where the toys in Andy's room can see him, though he does throw Woody his detached arm. <laughs> Woody uses his arm to make the toys think Buzz is standing next to him. But Hi, eventually- everybody. <laughs> to infinity and beyond. But eventually he slips up and they see that the arm isn't attached to Buzz. They react pretty much the way people would react to a severed human arm with yeah. horror and disgust. <laughs> They let go of the string of lights, which falls to the ground when Woody begs them to listen. They leave the window except for Slink, who closes the blinds. Oh, guys. <laughs> Woody cries. Uh, hard scene. Again, another hard one to watch. Yeah. Down on the floor, Sid's mutant toys have surrounded Buzz. Uh, when Woody tries to di- drive them off, the baby-headed spider comes at him and takes away Buzz's arm. Woody can't break through the group around Buzz, but he's sure they're killing him until the crowd of toys breaks up and re- reveals Buzz with his arm reattached. Realizing he has misjudged them, he's trying to apologize when they all disappear under the bed and Sid comes back. Sid has a rocket. His first thought is to use it on Woody, but Woody's hiding, so he picks up Buzz instead. I've always wanted to put a spaceman into orbit, he says malevolently. A rainstorm forces him to delay the rocket launch until morning. (laughs) Next door, it's Andy's bedtime, and he's mourning the loss of his two favorite toys. His mom comes in and says she's looked everywhere and all she can find is his hat, which she gives him. Do you notice the hat? I did not. It's a red hat with a uh, Jesse's white hat? It is Jesse's hat. Oh, huh. yeah. Andy's mom reassures him that they'll find Woody and Buzz before they move out tomorrow. That night, Woody convinces Buzz that even if he's not a space ranger life, as Andy's toy is still worth living. Though Woody himself despairs that he'll never be or he'll ever be Andy's favorite toy again. Buzz regains his spirit in time to see the moving truck pull up to Andy's house. But before they can escape, Sid wakes up and takes Buzz, still strapped to the rocket, out into the backyard. He starts working at something ominous with a big empty water jug while doing newscaster-style narration of the preparations for the approaching rocket launch. Woody pleads with the mutant toys to help him rescue Buzz, and they hesitantly join him. Woody outlines a plan and assigns tasks to each toy. Ducky and Legs, I guess we're giving them names now, uh, go into the heating ducts to avoid Scud, who saw Woody trying to follow Sid and is still growling outside the bedroom door. Ducky and Legs get outside by removing the light fixture on the front porch, then ring the doorbell. When he hears the doorbell, Woody releases a wind-up frog from Sid's room. The frog scoots under Scud and zooms down the hall. Scud gives chase and follows the frog downstairs where Hannah's answering the door. The frog goes out, Ducky grabs it, and they're both reeled up by Legs, who's part fishing pole, before Scud catches up. 
Hannah, exasperated, shuts the door, leaving Scud outside. The porch light fixture drops back into place before anyone notices it's gone. What a convoluted plan. Yeah. <laughs> I, as an adult, I go, you lost me now. It, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, these toys have been here forever. I'm sure they know the ins and outs. They would know their function better than anybody, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they've been looking for a way out. <laughs> now they've got Woody. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure they've just been eager. I've got a, a guy that I, used to, I played football with, with that uh, spent a little bit of time, like a week or so, and maybe in a, in a jail of a sort. And he said, <laughs> and they were a holding pen. Yeah. And they said they were at lunch one day. And he was like one of the funniest guys I've ever met. Um, he said they're just eating lunch one day, and he just looks around. He's like, "So you guys trying to escape or what?" <laughs> <laughs> and he said, "Like the guys look at me like, why you got a plan?" He's like, "No, I'm, I'm just messing with them. Don't joke about that." <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I'm sure when, when he was like, "I've got a plan," they're like, "You got a plan?" <laughs> we what? know we know the life fixtures. But it's also, they seem awfully quick to follow his plan after he's basically been shunning them since he got there. Well, he's the only one that's like a f- complete toy. And can talk. Yeah, and can talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as soon as Hannah's out the front door, Woody and his cadre of toys come down the stairs, roll through the kitchen, and exit through the cat flap in the back door. They land in the bushes where they have a good view of the launch site. Sid's new- newscaster voice is asking his mission control voice if launch pad construction is complete. Mr. Control says it is. Sid himself is out of sight, apparently rummaging around in the shed looking for matches. Ducky, Legs, and the wind-up frog pop out of a downspout as Sid prepares to start the countdown. The launch pad looks very strange. Buzz and his rocket are standing on a dartboard on a milk crate. Nearby is an orange-striped traffic horse with a rake leaning on it and the empty water jug propped underneath. The jug is connected with vacuum cleaner hose to a red funnel, which is aimed at Buzz's feet. This is the coolest backyard I've ever seen. If I was a kid, I would love this. And the most careless parenting. Where are the parents of this kid? They don't exist. (laughs) They're making (laughs) Pop-Tarts. This was the 90s, though. Kids were allowed to do things. Yeah, yeah. This would not be a 2017 movie. I went to to the uh, Preds game the other night, uh, and the kid in front of us was on his iPad doing Angry Birds the whole time. At a Preds game? And I was like, man, if I was four... Five, six years old, as old as this kid was, I would have been thrilled to be at a professional sporting event. Yes. Like, I, w- I wonder if kids could watch this movie now and be like, why are they playing outside? Like, why are they doing things in the backyard? Like, how reckless is that that he's doing, like, putting rockets on things? I yeah. wonder if kids that age could identify with that. Well, I know kids were asking me this week when I had that one question on my math test, they were asking me, Mr. Sarah, did you have a Mr. Potato Head when you were a kid? Because I've got Darth Tater. Oh, yeah, yeah, Dark Tater. And I was like, yeah. And they're like, oh, man, that's so cool. Did you have a Rex? Did you have this? I'm like, yeah. You didn't? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Woody approaches Buzz, who's happy to see him and asks for help getting loose. Woody says, everything's under control, and falls to the ground in the manner of a toy, expecting a human on the scene. Sure enough, Sid comes out of the shed using his miscontrol voice and then notices Woody. He tosses Woody on the charcoal grill and says, you and I can have a cookout later. And he puts a match in Woody's holster and turns back to his rocket launch, where he lights another match and starts counting down from 10. While he's focused on this, the toys are taking up positions all around the yard. Before Sid can light Buzz's fuse, Woody's voice recordings start playing, one after another. This is... Reach for the sky. This is messed up. Yes. This scene is so screwed up. Yes, it is. Yeah, so 
be nice. I here's what. Do, okay, can they come alive when they're around humans? Because I thought the rule was they couldn't. Huh. Well, I mean, I guess this scene shows us that the movie is not all just pure imagination of Andy. This is not all just Andy's imagination, like creating his toys to come alive. They actually can come to life. Mm-hmm. I, I would assume that the rules would be they can't. Like an elf on the shelf, you can't come alive when the people are awake. Right. But no, it's a terrifying scene. If you were Sid and this happened, you would need years of counseling. Yes. Uh, this, in fact, this scene right here is child's play. It's Chucky. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Who are you calling Buster? Busted, Buster, says Woody. That's right. I'm talking to you, Sid Phillips. We don't like being blown up, Sid. Sid begins to look terrified. Or smashed or ripped apart, continues Woody. Woody? Sid stutters. That's right, replies Woody. Your toys. A ragdoll climbs out of oh, the sandbox and God. walks across the yard saying, Mama, Mama. Dawn of the dead. <laughs> a large toy pickup truck emerges from a pile of sand while a couple of partially dismembered soldier figures rise out of a puddle. This, this is a nightmare. It's very, it was very scary. They all advance on Sid, who backs away and jumps when the three-eyed alien from Pizza Planet pops out from under Scud's red water bowl. Sid backs toward the clothesline, and the baby-headed spider drops down on his head. He shrieks and shakes it off, but the toys have him surrounded now. Woody says, you must take good care of your toys, because if you don't, we'll find out, Sid. We toys can see everything. everything. And Woody's head spins all the way around like in The Exorcist. Golly, Moses. So play nice. Sid is panic-stricken. He screams, throws Woody in the air, and runs into the house, where he tells Hannah the toys are alive. When he sees the, to- the doll she's carrying, he says, nice toy, and backs away. And she, she waves the doll at him. <laughs> he screams again and runs upstairs crying, and she chases him. Ha-ha, <laughs> karma. Uh, outside, Woody and other toys are celebrating. As Buzz thanks Woody, they hear a honk from the next door. Andy's mom tells the kids to say goodbye to their old house, and the miniman starts to move. Woody and Buzz rush over, and Woody climbs on the back of the car, but Buzz, still burdened with the rocket, can't get through the fence. He tells Woody he'll catch up, but Woody comes back for him. They manage to get on the back of the moving van, and the longest escape route to the car happens now. Yeah. This scene doesn't seem to end. <laughs> um, I'm going to skip through this whole scene because it is just action point after action point. Yeah. And you really just watch it because a lot happens, and it would actually take longer for me to read it than for the action to actually happen on the film. <laughs> uh, well, let's just say that Lenny, the binoculars, certainly helps out a lot. Bo Peep. It's Woody. It's, it's still alive. <laughs> it uh, buzz. Basically, wait, wait, he, they get far behind, and then Woody lights the match on Mother. Buzz's rocket. Uh, he lights it on, like, the concrete. Right. Uh, lights the rocket. They fall with style. Well, Buzz said, you know, Woody says, Buzz, you're flying. And Buzz says, this isn't flying. It's falling with style. So Buzz has accepted it. Right, yeah. Yeah. Slinky tried to save the day, but now he's, like, all stretched out because that's what happens when you pull a <laughs> slinky all the way apart. <laughs> Yet he seems fine in the next movie. no. Yeah. Uh, they pass the truck again and fall through the minivan sunroof, landing neatly in the box next to Andy, who finds them and gleefully tells his mom 
She assumes they've been in the car the whole time. Oh, parents. Uh, now we skip ahead. It's Christmas Eve at the new house. I feel so happy for Potato Head in this scene. <laughs> I remember being so joyful, like, good, good. You deserve someone. Uh, Andy, Molly, and their mom are gathered around the Christmas tree. The army men are hiding in the tree with the baby monitor. The other toys are in Andy's room gathered around the speaker. Bo Peep pulls Woody under some mistletoe and kisses him. Andy's bed still sports a buzz let your bread spread, but one of the pillowcases and the comforter at the foot of the bed are Western style. Drawings of Woody are again prominent on the bulletin board. There are two Buzz Lightyear posters, but also a cowboy poster. Balance and harmony reign. All the toys seem happy and relaxed instead of fretting that Andy might get another dinosaur. Rex hopes for a leaf eater so he can play the dominant predator. What the hell? (laughs) I really hope I get a submissive. (laughs) The first report comes in from Sarge. Molly's first president is a Mrs. Potato Head. Let's also say that Sarge is the guy that plays Sarge in everything. Yes, Arlie Ermey. Yeah, he's uh, Hartman from Full Metal Jacket. Yes. Yeah, hilarious. He was in uh, Saving Silverman. Yeah. As the gym teacher. Seven. Yep. Yeah. Uh, He says he'd better shave and yanks off his mustache. Uh, Woody, a bit lipstick stained and woozy, joins Buzz on Andy's bed. They're still friends. Sarge announces that Andy's opening his first present, but there's a burst of static and Buzz whacks the speaker a few times. Woody asks Buzz if he's worried and Buzz denies it, then says, are you? Now Buzz, Woody teases. What could Andy possibly get that is worse than you? (laughs) Then they hear a bark downstairs and Andy's joyous cry of, Wow, a puppy! Woody and Buzz exchange nervous smiles. The credits roll to the reprise of You've Got a Friend in Me, a duet featuring Randy Newman and Lyle Lovett. Uh, I'd be more afraid of the dog than another toy. Oh, yeah. Dogs in a... Eat you to hell. Yeah, dogs eat toys. So, the awards. I didn't realize how many awards this was up for. I didn't either. Uh, three nominations at the Academy. Uh, best writing uh, for a screenplay for the screen. Usual Suspects won that year. Yeah, rightfully so. It was against Braveheart, Muddy Aphrodite, Nixon, and then Toy Story. Yeah, Usual I mean, Suspects is great. Usual Suspects is such a good story. And if you've never seen it before, you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, it was the first one to kind of do what it did as far as that kind of twist. That twist at the so, end, yeah. Yeah, that's a great screenplay. Uh, best music. For original song, you've got a friend of me did not win, but Pocahontas' Colors of the Wind win. No, Pocahontas is lame. I was going to say, like, I, I think of the best music original song, like, does it stick in your mind? And you've got a friend of me is done by choirs in schools every year. Now, Pocahontas is such a snooze. Yes, which pisses me off about the next one. Pocahontas won best music uh, over Toy Story. No. I don't think so. Um, sorry, but Special Achievement Award, John Lasseter for the development and inspired application of techniques that have made possible the first feature-length computer animated film. And it must be nice to have that award and then maybe have the, the rejection letter that Disney sent you at the beginning of your career saying, you can't do this. Yep. <laughs> Good for him. Uh, Good at, for him. At the Golden Globes, it was nominated for Best Picture in a comedy or musical. And Babe won. I can't believe Babe was the same year. Yeah. Uh, and then in Best Original Song, Pocahontas won again. Ooh. Yeah, not feeling that. But uh, Joel, what you th- you think after watching this film? It's good. Uh, as an adult now. As an adult, I was, I was excited to see it through the eyes of an adult mm-hmm. and to get the more adult humor in it. Not like dirty humor, but the realistic of, you know, human life and what, 
parents' roles and kids' roles and the imagination. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed watching it. I'm glad it's a movie that we chose. Um, it's been a long time since I've seen it. What about you? It's still a very good story. Yeah. Uh, but you could see how this movie gave way to more freedom for future Pixar movies. Yeah. Uh, you needed this movie to pave the way. That being said, I'm not a nostalgic person where I say, well, because it's, it's the one that opened the door, it's the best. No. It's not the best. It's very good. Uh, on our next segment. It is iconic, and no one can take that away. Yes, it is iconic. Uh, next segment, t- uh, top three, bottom three, where we pick our top three things we love, our scenes we like in this movie, and then we choose three things we dislike about the film or that we find the weakest. So we're the top three. Joel, what are your top three? Number three is the humor with the toys. Oh, yes. The personalities that are created, uh, that they were created for, and also the imagination of the child playing with them. Mm-hmm. It's, that opening scene's great. It's so good. Um, my number two is Randy Newman. Love Randy Newman. Star Wars. <laughs> Space is a place for Star Wars. Uh, everything he like, people forget. Like, yeah, he did those three original songs, but he also did the composition for a lot of the stuff. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. did the actual um, instrumental work for it, and it's a gr- wonderfully composed movie. It is. Yeah. Um, and number one, the voice casting. That <laughs> I don't know if there's a better voice casted film. I agree. And, and I don't think it's just because, okay, we've got Jim Varney's passed away mm-hmm. and Don Rickles passed away. Um, so you've got these comedy legends, but no, everyone's per- absolutely perfect for their role. Um, and that's why we'll never have to recast this one on the show. Yeah, you, you can't. No, no, no. This. You can't. You can't. This is an untouchable. Um, yeah, John Ratzenberger, rest in peace to Jim Varney. God bless Don Rickles, Tim Allen, Tom Hanks, Wall- Wallace Shawn. <laughs> Inconceivable. And again, <laughs> let's not overlook Brink himself, Eric yeah. Von Detten, <laughs> as that piece of crap Sid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what What are the top three things in your opinion? Uh, my number three. I loved how many inside jokes there were in this film. Like, every time I watch it, I see something else in the background where I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's from another Pixar movie now. Yeah. The Dinoco thing, I noticed this time. Uh, I didn't notice it before. Uh, they really understood the imagination of a kid when playing with toys. Uh, number two, the voice acting is spot on. Nobody else could play Woody or Buzz at the time. Today, maybe Patrick Warburton as Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, Patrick. Yeah, yeah I'm Buzz Lightyear. I could also <laughs> see him doing, uh, what other toy could he have been? Uh, Patrick Warburton, buddy. Yeah. Uh, Sarge. Yeah, maybe Sarge. Maybe Sarge. <laughs> um, and my number one, I like that it ventured to more than one place. This movie could have been very localized in just the bedroom, uh, but it traveled As down the street. As many films could. It traveled down the street to the gas station, Pizza Planet, and Sid's house, which if you're making the first computer animated full-length feature film, you usually try to keep it as simple as possible. And they were like, screw that. Let's go everywhere. And so I give them a lot of props for that. that was, that's crazy to do. And they did a great job with it. Right. Okay, on to the bottom three. Time to vent, Joel. What's your, what's your three? This movie is meant to be watched on VHS. I did not love streaming this on HD. It seems like every iteration we watch of this, it looks less. Yeah. This is, but I mean, to be honest, some movies are okay watching them on VHS. Maybe it's a nostalgic thing. Mm-hmm. I love watching Home Alone on VHS. I love kind of like the crackles in the back of the screen. Right. Christmas Vacation is another one. Really, any holiday movie to make you feel like you're present and in one place. Yeah. 
Um, it's the animation doesn't hold up for Blu-ray or high def streaming. Yeah. My number two is I didn't be my number one. Like this movie's kind of dark. <laughs> um, the scene at the gas station still like gives me anxiety. Um, hated that scene as a child. And there were a lot of scenes in this movie when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and a lot of scenes that are very vital to the plot of the movie that I did not like. Right. And I did not like the animosity between the toys. It was a little too much for me as a five-year-old child. Um, and number one, this movie did a wonderful job at, like making you feel things. Again, I was a kid. I was learning about all these different things for the first time. But sometimes I don't want to feel. So <laughs> that's what I don't like. I, I, you know what's funny about that number one you had there is that when I put up top, when I put Toy Story in this time, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch an entertaining movie. And you're right. You're like, I kind of feel like I kicked in the soft spot yeah. a couple times during this movie. Yes. <laughs> Uh, my number three is the final scene where you find out the dog's the new toy. They should have gone to Slinky Dog's reaction. Yes. Or maybe just abject fear, since a dog is going to tear the shit out of all of them. Yeah, that's a, you're, <laughs> that's a good call. Very good call. Uh, number two, I didn't like how the toys came alive whenever they wanted to. I, I would have liked it where they only come alive when no one is around. Yeah. And finally, my number one is, just like you said, the animation's dated. It really is. And for those that think that, you know, the better the medium you have it in Blu-ray, you know, it, it, was, it was VHS, then it was DVD, then Blu-ray, and now 4K. Uh, when, it's compute, when it's CGI movies, you got to be careful because sometimes they work best for the medium that they came out in at the time. And I think that's what this is. Uh, because the sharper the image looks, the more cracks you see in the animation. Yeah. Uh, so who's the audience for this movie? I like what you're about to say next. Oh, okay. I have a script and I can see what you're going to say. <laughs> but I think any child, for the most part, but more so just for parents, mm-hmm. this film has great humor for adults um, that have to watch a cartoon with their kid. Yeah. So I think this is more of an entertainment venue for the whole family instead of just the child. It's not just a kid's movie. It's a family movie. Something You know what's funny is this is a movie that you could, if you have kids, you buy them a potato head yeah. And then you say, hey, you want to see something cool? Yeah. And you show them Toy Story. Yeah. And they, they sit there holding the potato head, and they're like, this is the greatest toy ever. Look at all the things they can do with this. Oh, my gosh. And they can have a talk. And they realize, potato's not really the best character. And they go, can I get a Buzz Lightyear? Yeah. Can I get a Woody? Yeah. What about you? Uh, honestly, I feel like the audience of this movie dwindles every day. So anyone born before 2007, because kids don't seem to play with toys anymore. Uh. I can go to my nephew's place. There's toys everywhere. Uh, but my brother is more like, I, my kid's not touching electronics. Yeah. You know? Good We're, for him. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I think. And it's kind of sad that it does dwindle a little bit every single day. But because of this movie, it has paved the way to more timeless Pixar movies uh, that we may get to at some point. Movie report card, A, B, C, D, F, and the animated feature film genre. Joel, give us a grade and some comments that defend your grade. I, I'm not going to have a massive paragraph about this because yeah. I've been even trying to think about it the whole time, and I can't fully put into words outside of what I've already said to express kind of like my emotions towards this film. Mm-hmm. It is an icon yeah. among film in general. Like It is absolutely iconic, and to see what it kicked off for Pixar is immeasurable. Like It's, oh, yeah. it's amazing. Um, this movie was one of my favorite movies growing up and I've never met, I've never met anybody that didn't like it. I've never met anyone that says Toy Story is a bad movie. Um, that being said, I've, I've seen movies that I think are better movies than Toy Story. Mm -hmm. 
this is voice casting. There, there might not be another better movie. I don't think so. Um, I, even when you look at Finding Nemo, the only one I think can come close is Inside Out. And I see. I'm trying to think because all the voices in Lewis Black as anger. Uh, yeah. Mindy from the Mindy Project as yeah. uh, jealousy. I no, think. Envy. you're right. You're right. That's that, the only one I can think of that comes right. close because they were so individualized. Right. And that and that is good. Um, but Toy Story, even like the nobody characters, are mm-hmm. great. Um, it tells a great story. Um, there's not there's not really a message to it other than hey, don't hate the first person you meet just because they scare you. Yeah. Uh, be open to friendships. Um, don't let pride get in the way. And it is a good message. But something about the film keeps me from giving it a perfect grade because as a child, I was scared by a lot of parts of this movie. Mm-hmm. To be a full animated movie, um, I think you kind of have to extend to all audiences. Yeah, I agree. And even though I did watch this movie a lot growing up, when I saw Toy Story 2, I was like, what a good movie <laughs> and maybe that'll change they took I, it up <laughs> yeah i was like this was so much funnier and the adventures had so much like less hate yeah and so maybe watch it again i haven't i probably haven't seen toy story 2 in 15 years i know i'm, I'm looking level. forward to cracking it open to see if i, I can see something different out of it that I yeah. the first time i remember um and we'll talk about it next time i'm not gonna say it now but um no like there's something about me that told me back from a perfect grade i will give it an a minus it is it is well above average, mm-hmm. and it is an outstanding movie. It's just not perfect. Right. Um, I'm not going to hold anything against it that it couldn't have controlled. They didn't have certain technologies. Um, and for the time, it's good. It's 95. 94 yeah. is when they made it. So mm-hmm. A minus, well above average, a very respectable movie. Not the best animated movie I've ever seen in my life. Okay. However, animation's only going to be tougher to grade high the older it is because we're only making more and more progress in that field. And that's why I kind of give props to Disney for updating all of their animated features with live-action CGI and all that because what a smart move. You don't want these properties to go away. You don't want these stories to go away. And yes, there's probably going to be a time in the next 40 years where they update the original Toy Story to be more based in a real-life situation, and they can actually have a Woody doll walking around, and maybe they can use the exact same lines that Tim Allen and uh, Tom Hanks used as the dubbing behind those toys. That'd be really interesting. Yeah. It might also be really creepy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, For me, Toy Story is a nostalgic favorite for people who saw this when they were eight or nine. However, I saw it when I was a freshman in high school. (laughs) I never got to see this and imagine my toys playing when I wasn't around because I wasn't playing with my toys then. That being said, I was amazed by this film then, and I'm still pretty high on it today. The movie is 23 years old and still tells a great story, and it focuses on the imagination of a child, and as teachers, we love that shit. Uh, It takes the philosophical question of if a tree falls in a forest and nobody's around to hear it, does it make a sound? In this case, if you're done playing with your toys and you leave the room, do they come to life? Yeah. Uh, when it comes to animated features, there are a few things I pay attention to. Story, voice acting, animation, and soundtrack. So for the story, I'm giving it an A-. minus. I love the story, but there are a few character moments that I don't feel are in line with what they would actually do. Uh, being that I'm not the audience, however, when I've mentioned these to these kids, they don't seem to notice them at all. So I'm only nicking it a half a point on this one. Okay. Uh, 
The next part was voice acting. This is an A. It's perfect. There isn't anyone better suited to play these roles. It's almost to the point that if Tom Hanks or Tim Allen were to die today, I would insist they don't make any more of these movies. Agreed. You can't do don't, it. Don't touch Aladdin. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and my low grade here, the animation. I gave it a C. And this is hard. It, it was state of the art at the time. It really was. Today, it is average at best of how far we've come with our technology. So let me say that this movie is an A in 1995 for this, but a C in 2017. Because we're grading this in 2017, I'm grading it as a C. Now, the soundtrack, we mock Randy Newman a lot, but it's an A minus. Oh, yeah. This, it's not overpowering. It's subtle enough to push the montages forward. Nobody's singing a damn thing. I think that was a smart move. Uh, Randy Newman isn't celebrated, his music celebrates the scenes. Yeah. It's not the Randy Newman show. He is clearly... Although I su- would watch the Randy Newman show. <laughs> he is clearly the supporting actor in all these, which is nice. So overall, an A minus, an A, a C, and an A minus, that averages out for a B plus for me. That's a good grade. So you had an A minus, I had a B plus, so it's an A minus, B plus. Yeah. Yeah, 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 sure. uh, it's, it's right there. Uh, if this movie's released in Blu-ray, buy it, bin it, stream it, borrow it, or forget about it. You know, it's funny. I'd say I would buy this for the family. Yeah. But if it were on Blu-ray, I don't know if I would want it on Blu-ray. I don't ah. know if that animation would look good on Blu-ray. For the the purpose of which we use this segment for. Yeah. It's the, the enjoyability. Story, the movie. Did you really enjoy yeah, the, you movie. Buy the movie? It's an amazing movie. I say it's a it's a great like if you can find the th- the trio pack, which mm-hmm. is what I'm gonna look for, yeah, you buy that. Yeah. I, and you know what's funny as you were saying that I'd be like really interested in seeing a DVD or a Blu-ray that is done with the graininess of the VHS. I think that'd be fantastic for a movie like this. Uh, so I'm buying it also. This is this is definitely a buy. It, it, for me, I enjoyed the hell out of this movie. I, I laughed my way through the entire synopsis. It, it's, it's funny, and there's so many things to catch in this film that you will laugh with, your child with, and be able to explain to them, this is what you see in the background. They go, oh my gosh. And your child starts to see certain things in films all of a sudden that you're sitting there going, oh shit, now I've turned my, my five-year-old into a film <laughs> critic. <laughs> But uh, yeah, there we go. That's all I got time for today, Movie Planeteers. I hope you enjoyed these retro, retrospective shows from the Movie Playground podcast about Toy Story, Toy Story 2, and Toy Story 3. Our first movie R&R show will release Wednesday, June 13th with Disney's Hercules, followed every Wednesday this month with Jaws and Labyrinth. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to pass the word on to your friends about the show. Subscribe on iTunes and help the show get on its feet with a four or five star review. Tweet with any questions, comments, theories, and I'll try to fit them into the show next time we're on the air. Send those tweets to at movieplanetpod and like us on Facebook and Instagram using the links in the show notes. Special thanks to Twisterium and Sound J Music for providing our music. Thanks for listening to the Movie Planet Podcast and the Movie Playground Retrospective, and happy movie watching.